morning. Good morning. Good morning. Here we go. All right. Hopefully, uh, guys, I think we ran out of toilet paper, which is bad news all the time. Uh, but particularly this morning. Uh, so we'll, we'll make do at the end. Um, it's not normally this dark in here. One of our lights broke. So uh, we're going to do this very dramatic this morning. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, another year and that you've given us. And I know as we get to the end of the, the year, we can look back and there's probably a lot that we can celebrate and um, other things that, uh, that are hard um, in life. And, and all of that has made up this year. And so Father, I pray that uh, as we have some time to open up your word this morning, that you would speak to all of us, those who have had the greatest of years and those who haven't, uh, that all of us would know your love, your grace, and your mercy, and that we would be able to come to a place of rest as we enter into a new year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm the pastor here. And, uh, it's good to have you guys here. This is one of my favorite weeks uh, of church of the year. Uh, and that's because, you know, it's in between Christmas and kind of the first big new series of the year. And so um, I always feel like a freedom to just kind of do whatever I want. Uh, last year, I preached a sermon called Own the Morning, uh, which has kind of become like vernacular for us as a church, right? about owning the morning, waking up, owning the morning, spending some time with God. In fact, we actually named our morning devotional that we write uh, for each day of the week, Own the Morning. This year, um, we have a, a talk called Cast Your Cares. And we're going to look at just a very simple passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, we're just going to look at these two simple verses that are written by Peter, one of Jesus' uh, closest confidants, while on earth. And Peter is really kind of writing some pastoral advice to the church and I think it's great pastoral advice to look at uh, as we wrap up a one year and head in to the next. And so uh, as we journey through um, this, this passage this morning, we're going to see three things. We're going to see a pretext, something that has to happen first. And then we're going to see a path to follow. And then we're going to see the power in order to do that. And I'll point that out as we go. But here's the hope that Peter has, I think, for each and every one of us as followers of Christ, that we would arrive at a place of peace. And so if you look back at your previous year and say, well, it wasn't the most peaceful year of my life. Or if there's things that you're looking out into the future and say, I'm not sure how much peace that would bring. I hope this passage will help you this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It starts off right from the beginning with the pastoral advice and the pretext of how we get to the path. And it's this, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Now, he's going to arrive later uh, talking about what we're supposed to do with our worry. And we all know worry. Proverbs calls it uh, the weight, the weight of worry. And I'm sure many of us have carried the weight of worry, the weight of financial or family or health, whatever it might be. The weight of worry, how it just sits on you, and it can be crushing. And worry is one of those things where if we don't learn to control it, then it begins to control us. It dictates our health our bodies, our, our shape, our sleep, our marriages. Worry, worry, worry. It can become a, a disease in the mind. In fact, science can show that that worry can actually then begin to affect your, your physical health. Peter starts off like this, though. He says, humble yourselves. That if you want to arrive at that place of peace, it starts with humility. 
humble yourselves. Well, what does he mean by humility? Humility is allowing us to trust God's ability more than our own. Trusting God's ability more than our own. Humility makes us realize that even when we think we're in control, we're not actually in control. That's humility. Humility teaches us that God's timing and plan is better than our own timing and plan. Humility recognizes that all of our striving means nothing compared to God providing. That you and I can strive and strive and strive. And I'm sure some of us have uh, strived all year. And you've gone to the end of 2018, and there are certain things that you were so confident at the end of 2017 that were going to be taken care of, and they're not. And you've put in tons of effort. You've worried lots. And it's still here a year later. Humility is recognizing all of those things that I just said. Humility is arriving at a place where you can say, God, I trust you more than I trust myself to handle it, to take care of it, to whatever it might be. Peter says, first thing we gotta do is humble ourselves. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. What a beautiful picture. The mighty hand of God. Now, maybe you grew up uh, in a setting where the mighty hand of God meant God's mighty hand of anger and wrath. That's not what he means. The mighty hand of God is his, uh, his sovereign power. His sovereign power. We think, oh, the power brokers of the world, the people of the world, they're the ones who decide what happens. No, God sovereignly oversees all that. <laughs> the mighty hand of God is that God is a sovereign power <laughs> over all things. We humble ourselves under his sovereign power. We um, humble ourselves under his irrevocable plan. So often we live in this little rat race of thinking, uh, no, I have to do this so then that God will do that. No, God has an irrevocable plan that we see all throughout scripture. His plan of redemption could not be stopped. Couldn't be stopped by uh, humanity's sin. Couldn't be stopped by man's best ideas. The mighty hand of God is his sovereign power. It's his irrevocable plan. It's his unmatched perspective that his ways aren't our ways, that his thoughts aren't our thoughts. We humble ourselves underneath God's power, his plan, and his perspective. We put ourselves underneath it, recognizing uh, that our efforts, that our best efforts can't compete with who God is. Peter starts this way. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What's the picture there? That if we don't put ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then what we're doing is either putting ourselves above it or putting ourselves equal to it. As in, um, if you take the hand metaphor even further, God, I'll help you do this. Or God, you stand aside and I'll do it. And it's possible that the reason there's no peace at the end of 2018 is because you have spent the entire year under your own mighty hand instead of his mighty hand. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, under his power, his plan, his perspective. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that, this is one of those promises of scripture written by Peter that almost seems heretical. It almost seems that, and if I just read it, and I just spoke on it, but I didn't read the verse, some of you might raise a hand and say, no, 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 that can't be right. 
He's in mud. Humble yourselves. This is Peter. He knew Jesus real well. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, so that at the proper time, not your timing, not your parents' timing, not society's timing, not your boss's timing, not whoever's timing, so that at the proper time, what's the proper time? Sometimes you know, when Lindsay and I are going to be too early to somebody's house, you know, that awkward, like, six minutes, you're supposed to get there at six, and you, you pull up at, like, 5.55, and you're like, this is going to be weird. They're still setting the dinner table or something like that. So what do you do? You drive around the neighborhood for five minutes. You go look at houses. You stalk people. You do things, right? you got to kill five minutes. You don't want to get there at the proper time. At the proper time. The proper time. What's the proper time? See, in, in, in that five minutes... You know, if you're having someone over for dinner and you use that last five minutes to get the house cleaned up, to um, set the table, to finish dinner, whatever it is. Okay, the, the, the time between the time that we want and the proper time, typically, is the time when God moves things. It's the time when God sets it up so that as much of his grace as possible is now over the situation. It's in that time that God fixes things that you didn't even know were a problem. And had you gotten there before the proper time, they would have been a problem. But if you get there at the proper time, God's already taken care of it. The, the proper time is the time when God aligns everything, as he says in Romans 8, 28, for your good. You don't want to get there too early. You don't want to get there on your time. You want to get there at the proper time, at God's time. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, under his plan, power, and perspective, so that you get there at exactly the right time, so that you can let God take care of everything that God wants to take care of. So when you get there, whew, grace is over it. The Holy Spirit is in it. He's breathed his life into it. Get there at the proper time. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, now here's the line. He, the he there, is God, the God of the universe, so that he may exalt himself. No, I didn't say that. You know what it says? That he may exalt you. Now, Anyone who's been coming to our church here for a little while, uh, I mean, I say it all the time, it's not about you, it's about him. <laughs> like, like, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. But in Jesus' incredible goodness, look what he does here. Wait, so that he, God, may exalt. Let's not play games with this word. So that he might elevate, that he might promote, that he might make new, that he might open, that he might move, that he might do what only he can do. Wait, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and let him worry about the promoting, the elevating, the opening of the door. Let him do it. And he will at exactly the right time if what? You humble yourself. Yeah. He says, humble yourself and let God take care of it. And he will. See, the pretext here, though, is, is, is having a heart that can trust God enough. Because we're going to talk about the path to peace here in a moment. But the path means nothing if we haven't humbled ourselves first. Humble yourselves under God's powerful hand. His power is playing in his perspective so that exactly the right time where his grace and Holy Spirit are all over it, he will make the move happen. 
This is most powerful when we contrast it with our normal operating procedures, which are what? I will do it in my time and I'll make it happen. I have to see the contrast. That's where the power is. Then he says this. Here's the path to peace. He says, casting all your anxieties on him. That word anxiety was in our sermon last week, too. It's just a reminder to us that this very ancient text understands the modern human mind and heart very well. It's as relevant today as it's ever been. Casting all your anxieties on him. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman. Okay, and when I say not much of a fisherman, it means I don't know how to fish. Okay, <laughs> I've done it less than five times in my life. One time was at high school football camp, and whoever caught the biggest fish got a prize, which means they didn't have to run at the end of that night's practice. Okay, and so all of my friends who are fishermen are out there, and they're casting their line out into the mall me, and I attempted to cast my line, and it literally fell right in front of my feet. Okay, so I made a nice three-foot cast, and I bought, and I caught the largest catfish that day, and did not have to run that night. It was a massive victory in my life. Now, I did look up the record for longest cast, 915 feet. That is three football fields of casting the line. Okay, very impressive next to my three feet of casting. Jesus, or Peter here, says this, cast. Cast, send out. The Greek word here is epiripto. It's a fun word, epiripto. Uh, it's two different words brought together, epi and ripto. Epi means upon, ripto means fling with violent force. Epiripto. Fling with violent force upon something else. This word is used only one other time in the scriptures. And guess who was there when it was used? Peter. Peter was there when it was used. Only one other time. And it was at a moment when Jesus and the disciples were gathering, getting ready for a long journey. And so on their journey, they had garments, clothes that they were wearing, and baggage. And somebody had this really good idea. Instead of wearing the baggage and holding wearing the baggage, holding the baggage and wearing the garments, let's put it on this donkey that's out in front of us. Epiripto. And so they epiriptoed. They put their garments and their baggage on the donkey, and the donkey carried their garments and their baggages for the journey. The picture is clear. They were going to go, going to go on a long journey, and they let something that was stronger than them carry the weight. Peter is using this word because he wants the church to know you weren't designed to carry the weight. Preach. It's too heavy for you. So epiripto it. Fling it with violent force on something that is stronger than you. Put it on someone who's designed to carry it. Because you're not. In fact, fling it with violent force. Get it off. I'd be ripped up. It says cast it. Okay, but cast what? All your anxieties. Great words of Merriman. Merriman. 
and be ripped out of your marinade. Biblical mad lips. Marinade is not a narrow word. It's a broad word. See, here's the trick I think sometimes we play. What this verse means is um, my spiritual weight and worry. Cast that upon him. It does mean that. Oh, but it doesn't just mean that. What this word means is anything that you, the holder of the anxiety, would consider a weight or a worry. Anything the holder of it considers the weight or the worry. Which means it's as broad as whatever is your anxiety. Is it your finances? Is it your school? Is it where you're going to college? Is it what the business looks like in the future? Is it, you tell me, it's your merriment. And if it is for you a weight, then it fits underneath this statement. Epiricto, your merriment, fleeing with violent force, whatever is a weight to you, whatever is a weight to you would also mean if you're the one who created the problem. A lot of us, our anxieties are due to our own sin or stupidity. One of the two, a lot of times. Those count too. Even our own self-inflicted anxiety, we get to take on. You say, well, I don't know, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't seem fair. Listen, there's another thing in scripture where um, it's taken off of us and it's flung on Jesus and it's called sin. And there is nothing fair about our sin being flung on Jesus, but that is the example of what's happening. Christ, we couldn't carry the weight of our sin, so it was flung on Jesus. Now he's circling back and he's saying, I'm not just going to take your sin, I'll take your worry too. Oh, that's a full gospel. Amen. Does he take our sin? Yes. Oh, but he takes it a step further. It means if it is a weight for you, it counts. And be ripped your merriment. Why? Because he cares for you. Here's the power. Here's the power of it. The power is found in the gospel. Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. The word here cares is melee. Melee. You know what it means? To pay meticulous attention to to pay meticulous attention to. Let me tell you a story that might help. Um, my mom, lovely mom, um, she has five children who have five spouses. That's 10, I do math at home. She has five stepchildren who have four spouses. That's 19, seven grandkids, 26. She takes it upon herself to make sure that all 26 of us have an unbelievable Christmas. As if we didn't have like our own spouses, you know, to buy us stuff or whatever. She takes it upon herself to do that. Now, here's what's incredible. Um, in my 32 years of life, um, because both my mom and my father, I have never worried, am I going to have a great Christmas? Like, I'm 32 years old and still have a Christmas like I'm six, okay? To the point where like, mom, it's okay, you can stop, right? And she just keeps doing it. Now, here's what's amazing. We'll be in having, you know, Christmas, and, and the ten of us, all of our gifts will be all out, and, and they're stacked up, and everything like that, and, you know, Christmas explodes in the living room, and we'll be at the end of all of that, and my mom will look in, and she'll go, oh, you, um, there were supposed to be socks in your stocking, I'm sorry. 
and she'll run up and grab the socks and bring them down and give them to them. Now, out of 26 people, 26 stockings, six gifts a person, how she remembers that one person didn't have their socks and their stockings is amazing to me and is meticulously attentive because she cares about every person in that room deeply. If my mom can care that much about my Christmas gift and wool socks, the God of the universe is paying meticulous attention to your life. Amen. Meticulous attention. You know what that means? It means he knows you need the raise in April because of what's coming in October. He knows you need the new friend in February because of what you're going to go through in November. He's paying meticulous attention. He has it all lined up, and he knows exactly what you need. And at the proper time, he will give it to you. And be ripped up. You're merrymate because melee. Meticulous attention is caring for you. The other day I was traveling, and so I was in a hotel room by myself, and uh, I always have fun in a hotel room by myself because I can, like, yell, scream, preach, you know, as loud as I want, pray, everything like that, and, um, you know, there's no one there to tell me to stop, so I can do that at home, and he tells me to stop. <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm there, and I've woken up early that day, and I'm probably, like, 5.30, and, and I'm up there, and I'm praying, and, and as I'm praying, um, I'm thinking to myself, um, Man, it's almost the end of the year. And, and I've had three things that I've prayed about almost every day this year. And I, and I was kind of thinking, I don't want to pray about these things next year. Like, I don't want to carry the weight of what I've um, been praying about. I don't want to carry that again into another year. And as I was praying that, it was like God said, then don't. To which my immediate response was, but if I don't, then no one else will. If I don't keep pushing, stressing, striving, if I don't make it happen, then it's not going to happen. And as I was sitting there in the hotel room, this song that I'm going to have Lindsay sing here in a, in a little while, um, that I've been singing since I was like seven. It's just one of those songs that you never forget if you grow up in church. And I just, that song was playing through my head. And, and um, I was in a hotel room that was made for two people, but there was only one person in them. Uh, and so there was like seven washcloths, right? And so um, I used one of them. But the other six, okay, I grabbed, and I'm in there in the hotel room by myself. And um, I'm looking at these washcloths, and I was like, I am going to name these washcloths. Okay, I'm not crazy, listen to me. And I didn't name them Bill or, or John or Susie or anything like that. Um, I named them things that are weights that I have been praying for and carrying way too long. And some of you know what that's like. Because you're carrying stuff that you've been carrying way too long. And you aren't designed to carry it. Your emotional, spiritual strength is not enough to carry those weights. So I was a high school quarterback, believe it or not. How did you see over the line of scrimmage? Good. Okay. <laughs> Look like a Michigan quarterback. Now, so I'm in my hotel room. This is a real story. 
be my hotel room, and this is, you know, me at 6 o'clock in the morning now at this point with this one right here. I won't tell you what the first one was called. Some of you could probably guess. So I just dropped back in the pocket, I looked across the hotel room, and I threw it. And there was like a physical release to it. There was so much fun. I was like, I'm going to do this five more times. And I did. But you know what's amazing? I woke up the next morning. I woke up the next morning. And you know what the enemy was saying in my head? He was saying, go pick it back up. And this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to run back over there, wind it back up, pick it up, and hold it again. Because this is what we do. We have a moment of spiritual clarity or power and, we, and we're strong enough to fling it and to leave it over there. But then it doesn't happen on our timing. We don't wait for the proper timing. And so we think, well, I must have to do something. So we run back over and we pick it back up. The power of this is that once you throw it, it's now his. He is designed to carry it, which means you don't have to worry. You don't have to move it. You don't have to force it. It's no longer yours to carry. And so I'll just speak for myself right now. I, this is probably not physically true of my poundage, but spiritually, I'm going to go into 2019 as light as I've ever been. And I want you to do that too. Emotionally, spiritually, that any weight, any worry, all of them, exhaustive, you can write your math test for next week down there. Or your medical test. Or your marriage. Or whatever else it is. We're going to epi ripto all up in this place. Amen. <laughs> Once you leave it, leave it. So, get out your toilet paper. We've got one left over here. Some of you are all going to have to share toilet paper just like at home. Okay. Is there like a couple that doesn't have a nice roll of toilet paper? Anyone? Anyone? Because I've got a heck of an arm. Everyone's good? Okay, we're good. Anyone need it? Anyone need a roll? Man, I really just want somebody to say yes. Okay. Right. You got a marker. During this next song, what's going to happen is Lizzie's going to sing this song that I was singing in my hotel room because I want it stuck in all of your heads for 2019. It's only like three lines, so she's just going to keep singing it on a loop until I come rescue her. Okay. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to humble yourself first. Because the casting means nothing without the humility. You're going to humble yourselves before God. You're going to say, Lord, I trust you and your power, your plan, and your perspective more than my own. And that means I'm going to take my hands off. So you're going to humble yourself first. And after you think you've done that, you fill that roll up. You use as many squares as you can. Okay? You write down whatever you gotta write down. And then hold on to it for a second. And I'll give you some further instructions. 